0: This morning we have Tanner here with us. Uh, he's going to to preach for us. He's the the Kai Alpha missionary, or uh, I guess yeah, Kai Alpha missionary, or Walt calling the pastor. I like that word probably better because uh, he shepherds kids. I know his heart. He's got the heart of a of a shepherd for those college students. He ministers in an interesting place where his church turns over every four years, so it takes a lot of effort, a lot of energy. Um, anyway, he's doing a great kingdom work there in Shadron. Uh, ministering to college students, and so he, he's close, uh, we 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 get to support him monthly. Uh, just to say my appreciation, this is from me, Tanner, not from the church, this is from me, I text Jonathan and asked him what disc to get you, and he told me that this is the kind of disc that you might like, so I, I just want to say you can come up, thank you for for being here this morning, and, and, and actually I looked at the back of his iPad, he's got the same maker on the back of his iPad of the disc that I bought, so I think I did alright, um, <laughs> But Tanner's going to preach the word today, and, and I just look forward to hearing what God has for us through him. So
1: thanks, Tanner. Thank you. Yep. I appreciate you. Um, as I was getting ready to come here to speak, uh, I, my appreciation for Steve is, is beyond just uh, a missionary that your church supports. Uh, I appreciate Steve as, as someone who um, is there for us. And when my wife was in the hospital recently, and I'll get a little bit more into that. Um, he show, showed up to pray for us and to, to let us know that, that he was thinking about us and praying for us. And you guys have a good pastor here. And so I wanted to do my diligence coming in. And instead of making this about Chi Alpha at Shatterer State, I wanted to make this an opportunity for me to be able to bless um, your church and this church. And so we're here more as evangelists, I guess you would say, than missionaries. But I will share just a little bit about Chi Alpha. But before I get into that, um, I, I asked pastor permission ahead of time just in case the Holy Spirit moved me in this way, and wouldn't you know, He did. Um, But I feel like I've got a couple words for people um, within the congregation, words of knowledge and and prophetic words, and I prefer to give words one-on-one because it's comfortable for me. Um, And God's really moving me outside of my comfort zone with um, speaking and and with hearing from the Holy Spirit, and so it'll make sense when I get done giving them. But the first word is, uh, I feel like it's for this church as a whole. And uh, while I was praying for your church, I felt like um, God was saying to me that uh, this church has been set apart, that God is going to make it well-known in the future. Um, This church will be well-known for the sacrifices that it is willing to make, especially in the area of finances, in order to spread the word of God. And he's saying that in order to get from where you're at to where you're going He's going to begin stretching you guys and begin warming you guys up and getting you ready for the season that this church is moving into um, and being willing to be sacrificial in that. Um, And then I feel like I have a couple words for some individuals. And what's your name with the NBA shirt on? Jason? Jason, I feel like God was saying to you that um, he's already began doing some really cool things in your life, but they're super subtle and they're hard to attribute to God um, just because they're so subtle. But he's saying that he's going to begin to shift gears in that. And um, the things that he's doing in your life are going to become clearer and clearer. And uh, he's asking you to set apart more time in obedience to the things he's doing. He's asking you to set apart more time um, to pray and pray about your day and to pray about the things that he's doing in your life. Um, And then young gentleman, what's your name? Connor. I feel like God is saying that um, sometimes you feel like your walk is hard. Um, because of where God has you for this season. And uh, he's saying that he's going to begin bringing people around you that are your age and that are both Christian and non-Christian. And uh, he's going to give you opportunities to witness to them. And as a result, your obedience um, is even going to elevate your faith and is going to bring your faith to a new level and not just the faith of those around you. And so he's just asking you to be obedient in the things that he's asking you to do. He'll make it clear that he's speaking to you. And like I said, I prefer to give words one-on-one. Um, but I feel like the reason God wanted this to be public, that there was a reason, um, I feel like there has to be a reason for it to be public. Otherwise, I could just give it one-on-one and the same thing will, will, will come to pass. But I felt like the reason it was public is because he's asking you as a church to be praying for those two individuals um, to set your time apart, to pray for them and the things that God's doing in their lives. Um, And and God will begin to fulfill these things, and he'll make them visible. These things will become visible to the rest of the church. And so the rest of the church's faith will grow because of the words and the things that God's doing in those two young individuals' lives. Awesome. Now I can transition into something that's a little more comfortable to me. Um, And uh, so I'm just going to share with you guys a little bit about what's going on with Chi Alpha, because we are missionaries that you guys support, but it's going to be super brief. Um, it's been a few years since we've been here, and so I, I feel uh, I need to give you guys an update as to what's been going on at Shattered State Chi Alpha and what's been going on in our ministry. Um, the last couple years have just honestly just being vulnerable been really rough, um, from my mom passing away to Courtney's grandma passing away um, to Courtney spending a week in the hospital to finish out last school year to her starting off the school year in the hospital this year. Um, my wife was recent, or last year was diagnosed with Crohn's disease. And so she's been in and out of the hospital. She's had to go in, and, and uh, they're looking at possibly having to do surgery on her intestines. And, um, but <clears throat> our ministry kind of for the last few years has kind of reflected that hardship. Um, it sometimes can be hard to minister in giving over 100% of your time and energy when you don't have any time and energy because you've been sp- spending so much time um, praying for those things, praying for my family. In um, dealing with the loss of my mom, praying for Courtney's family and dealing with the loss of their grandma and praying for my wife and with going through her sickness. Sometimes it can be hard to minister. And, and uh, even though there's been a lot of hardship and even though some of the, the ministry has reflected that hardship, there's been a lot of awesome things going on as well. And so I don't like to focus on the negative. I like to focus on the positive because I feel like focusing on the positive almost speaks that positive, that speaks that life. Um, into your surroundings. And so um, just the last couple of weeks have, have been absolutely awesome within Chi Alpha. Um, we, uh, there's just been a new fire. There's been new students coming in. We've had um, 12 new students just in the last two weeks alone have showed up and uh, God's been doing some awesome things in their lives and has been giving uh, our students kind of a new fire, and that new fire within our students. Honestly, I haven't seen students this excited about what God's doing in the entire time I've been involved in Chi Alpha, and I've been involved in Chi Alpha for nine years now, and I can honestly tell you that the excitement that I see in these students right now is, is bigger than even the excitement that I had when I was a student, and so it's, it's given me a fresh uh, fire to, to minister and go out and, and put myself on a pedestal and, and allow myself to grow as a minister too. And so it's been, it's been really cool and it's been a really awesome semester. And uh, we're really looking forward to what God's going to be doing in these new students and, and, and get what God's going to be doing with this new uh, uh, fervor uh, that's going on in Chi Alpha. And so if you guys are looking for ways to pray for us, I, w- I would just ask that you would pray for us for that, for um, the witness that these students have. and, and that God would continue to push them and grow them outside of their comfort zones, and myself too, outside of my comfort zone. And that's really all I have about Chi Alpha. Um, I'm not going to spend the whole service about Chi Alpha today, because like I said, uh, I I want to bless this church. And and, uh, um, and before I get started in the sermon, I want to get us on some common ground here. Uh, I feel like we need to establish a little bit of a foundation to get into the the word that I feel like God has has for you guys today, um, and the foundation really comes on this that we need to recognize that we need to take just a split second, and we as Christians need to recognize that our faith isn 't necessarily designed to be comfortable, that our faith is 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 actually more often than not uncomfortable that jesus didn't promise us a life of comfort and riches and wealth so that we can Go and hide away in our mansions away from civilization. God didn't design christianity that way um, it, It's not designed to just be this white picket fence with two and a half kids And the commitment to your job is all you really have like god has ordained the the christian walk And and the the our faith in christian to be uncomfortable it, it's designed to to move us beyond where we're at, where we're stuck into and, and grow through um, getting outside of our comfort zone and, and growing past um, just the same old, same old, every single solitary day. Because when we look at people within Scripture, and, and especially when we look at the disciples of Jesus, we can say that the opposite was true to them. They weren't comfortable, and maybe they were comfortable being uncomfortable, but God was continuously challenging them and moving them past their, their thought of what theology meant and trying to grow them into who he wanted them to be for when he wasn't on earth any longer. Um, scripture even goes as far to say that as Christians, we will be persecuted for our faith. And so just being persecuted or even sometimes prosecuted for our faith and being persecuted and prosecuted um, in Jesus' name isn't comfortable. When someone comes against you because of your faith, that's not comfortable. That's challenging. That that uh, requires you to to be uncomfortable for that point in time, because you still are. are uh, you still have to remain faithful to what Jesus has told you and what Jesus is saying to you. And so when we get persecuted and prosecuted in His name, it it's uncomfortable. It's really not. Um it's not designed to be comfortable. So making that point and we, we can move on into what I feel like we I have today. Um do you guys remember the first car that you bought or or paid part of? Some of you guys might, some of you guys don't. I I think um I can remember my first car was uh a nineteen ninety one Camaro. This thing was awesome. It had the three oh five high output motor it was in great shape um i absolutely love this car originally it belonged to a classmate of mine and uh i was always kind of jealous of his car cuz he would drive it around and i'm always thinking man why why can't i have a must or a, a camaro i really want that car and uh one day he decides he's going to sell it and so i went to my mom and dad and i was like hey um is there any way that i could get this car and uh they were like well Uh, You have to buy it. And so I worked out a deal with my mom and dad to uh, pay them back for purchasing that car. And so in the process of paying them back, I promised my mom that I would do more chores around the house. I would start – I grew up on a ranch outside of Hemingford – I promised my mom and dad that I would do more chores around the house. I began working for uh, some of the farmers around us, fixing fence on the weekends. And all of this was during football season. And so on top of going to school full time um, when I was in high school and then playing football um, on the weekends, I was working, fixing fence, trying to earn money, trying to do these things in order to pay back the car. And uh, and since my dad's here, I have to be honest with you guys. Um, My dad's sitting right there. Uh, I, I did not pay all of the loan back. Um, yeah, yeah, uh, um, but initially I began paying off the car, but um, but I made, I made sacrifices. I began putting myself out there. I put myself uh, in a place in which I was losing. Um, energy. As a football player, usually the weekends are your time to recover from the games and the practices throughout the week. And I was putting myself out there and putting myself into physical labor on the weekends, and I was losing sleep, and I, and I was uh, doing all of these things, making these sacrifices for something that I wanted. And I, I got the car, and, <clears throat> and I, I sacrificed, and on top of it all, I sacrificed some serious PlayStation 2 time um, in order to achieve Uh, a desire. I wanted the car. And that's what I was willing to put forward. And that's the things I was willing to sacrifice. And what it really comes down to is, more often than not, the things that are really worth it in life, more often than not, require sacrifice in order to receive them or achieve them. And so if you guys want to turn your Bibles to, uh, to Matthew 19, starting in verse 16. I forgot my water bottle. Matthew 19, starting in verse 16. Just then a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied. There is only one who is good. If you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Which ones, he inquired. Jesus replied, you shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honor your mother and father and love your neighbor as yourself. All of these things I have kept, the young man said. What still do I lack? Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, go and sell your possessions and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. I feel like this young man, in a typical U.S. American church, this young man, this young ruler, would have gotten along just fine. Being completely honest, I feel like in most churches, a pastor would have fought to keep this young man in church. A pastor would have bent over backwards to keep this rich young ruler um, within their congregation. And Jesus is standing here, and even though this guy had great wealth that he could have put forward into the kingdom, Jesus saw to the heart of him and knew what his real idol was in his life. But yet, in today's church, like I said, I feel like, and I'm not speaking that over this church, but in a, a, a typical American church, I feel like, Most pastors would have bent over backwards to keep this young man for many reasons, because this young man had a lot going for him. He put himself out there and and, um, he went to the right place because he ran to Jesus. He did the right thing. He humbled himself and he kneeled before Jesus. He's a rich young ruler and he's kneeling at the foot of Jesus. He had the right spirit because he was willing to learn. He asked Good master, what shall I do? He didn't assume he had it all together. And he had the right concern because he was concerned about eternity. He was thinking about the next life. He was thinking about what happened after this life. He had the right thoughts. He had the right intentions. This was a person that if if we saw him today, we would try to keep him in church. But in all reality, Jesus is seeing to the, to the heart of the man and he's basically saying... I'm sorry you're so close, but yet you're so far away. Because when it comes down to it, this man had an encounter with Jesus, and he didn't leave excited. He left sad. And nothing within Scripture indicates that this ruler did what Jesus asked him to do, to to be perfect and to go to, to heaven. And so even though this ruler had done so much right, There was a pivotal flaw within his thought process that caused him to still be completely wrong. In Mark's recount of this event, Jesus says, before he says to sell everything, it says, Jesus looked upon this, rich young ruler, with love and responded, go and sell all of your possessions. So Jesus wasn't responding to this young man in retaliation. He wasn't responding to uh, try to cut him down or out of jest or, or even sarcastically. Jesus was responding to this rich young ruler with love and passion because Jesus could see what his true idols were. And it was wealth. Wealth was an idol in this rich young ruler's life. He's saying it's going to keep you from experiencing all that I have to offer you. It's going to keep you from being a true disciple of me. You're going to have to get rid of it and follow me in order to inherit the kingdom of God. That's what Jesus was saying to this rich young ruler. And you can begin to see how how much of an idol this really was. Because like I said before, he's kneeling at the foot of Jesus. This is a ruler kneeling at the foot of Jesus, asking him how to inherit the kingdom of heaven. And not only did he just ask Jesus how to get into heaven, but Jesus responded and told him exactly how to do it. How many of us, if if we had an opportunity to talk to Jesus and ask him, Jesus, if, if I can't get into the kingdom of heaven, what would it be? What would it take? to to get me over that that hump, to grow me in my faith so that I can inherit the kingdom of heaven and and have the opportunity for Jesus Himself to respond to you and tell you the one thing in your life that that you are having a hard time dealing with, the one thing in your life that is going to prevent you from getting to inherit the kingdom of heaven. If you had that opportunity, how exciting would that be to be young and to have Jesus tell you, exactly what it is in your life that you need to get past in order to grow, in order to to, to be a Christian, in order to um, inherit the kingdom of heaven. I know if I had that opportunity and Jesus said, hey hey Tanner, um, man, your, your cell phone, man, you got to give that cell phone up. That's going to prevent you from inheriting the kingdom of heaven. I, I honestly, as as much as I, I like having a cell phone, I would be excited to know that this was the one thing keeping me from heaven and all I have to do is throw it away and I get to inherit the kingdom of heaven and I get to follow Jesus more closely. That's the only barrier that I have between me and God. I'd be excited about it. But yet this rich young ruler walks away sad. He just got told how to go to heaven, how to inherit the kingdom of heaven. And he's sad. I'm reminded of the story of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, we see a different picture painted. We see a a wealthy person who God says, you're going to have to give this money back to the the rightful owners. You're going to have to give up this wealth. You're going to have to give up this lifestyle you're living in. And Zacchaeus walks away excitedly. And so we get a completely different feel from this story than we do the story of Zacchaeus. And the reason why, the reason why this story feels so different to us than when we read about Zacchaeus is because this young ruler, this young man, had way too much stock invested into the world that he was living in. How many times do we fall into that same trap as as Christians in America? How many times are are we this rich young ruler? We love Jesus. We read our Bibles. We go to church. We might even go to a small group or we might even go to a to worship night on Wednesdays or I don't know what service you guys have during the week. But we go to all of these things. But then when Jesus says, hey, you're going to have to sacrifice something for me, we, we have this secret little closet in our house that we, we hide everything away. And we say, God, we'll do anything for you. We'll sacrifice this. We'll do this. We'll do this. But this area right here, you can't have that. You can't touch that. We have this hidden little stash that we, we're willing to reason with God, but when if God were to ask us to, to deal with anything in that stash, we just kind of ignore Him. I know I've been guilty of that in the past, and, and I hope I'm not guilty of that in the future, but we try to reason with God. And we say things like, well, God wouldn't really ask me to give that up. And then we remain unchanged and often more often than not maybe even happy we're happily unchanged we're happy having that hidden closet we're happy having those things that we just aren't willing to deal with because we we like them too much or in other words idols in our life and so my question is what what was what is Jesus asking us to sacrifice what is Jesus asking you to sacrifice and actually better yet I, I might ask why is the concept of sacrifice so difficult for us in the American church. Earlier I told you how how much I was willing to sacrifice time and energy and money and sleep in order to purchase a new car to drive. But would I be willing to make the exact same sacrifice, even just right now as a pastor, for God to give over that amount of money and that amount of time and that amount of effort and to lose that sleep simply because Jesus told me to, that I may be not even be privy to where that money is going. He's just asking me to give it over. I might not even know the reason why I'm giving this time up, but I know Jesus is asking me to give it over. Would I be willing to make that same sacrifice for the kingdom of heaven that I made for a car, for something that doesn't even run anymore, that's sitting actually in a field behind my parents' house? But more often than not, it is so much easier for us to make those sacrifices for something that is temporary than something that is eternal. And now all of a sudden, because I'm talking about sacrifice, and I may be challenging you guys a little bit, I may be ruffling some feathers, all of a sudden the atmosphere in this entire room just got uncomfortable. I don't know if you guys can feel it, but I can feel it. All of a sudden it's it's uncomfortable in here. But I just find myself picturing the amount of money that we spend in America just on our homes. Uh, Americans are estimated to spend almost half of their money on their houses, um, both in the the roof above their head and in the entertainment and the, the comfort that goes along with houses. That means that as Americans, we spend hundreds if not thousands of dollars every single month on our houses and entertainment and comfort within our homes. That means the average American works almost 70 to 80 hours per month in order just to pay for our houses. And I use houses as an illustration because that's something we consider to be uh, unquestionable. We need house, we need food, we need water, and in America we need transportation. Those are four things that we, we are a necessity within our lives. We need shelter. But shouldn't we be treating the things that God asks us to do the same way? Shouldn't we be treating the things God's asking us to do, the things that God's asking us to sacrifice, as the top of our list, as a necessity, as one of those four categories? Something that we need in order to even survive. What if God asked you to make the same sacrifice? Would you be willing to give up the same amount of money you spend on your house to God? Would you be willing to give the same amount of hours you work per month just to have a comfortable house over to serving God? That's the scenario we're looking at here. And I'm not saying that I'm asking you to give money over. I'm not saying I'm asking you to give 80 hours per month. Um, But this is the situation we're seeing here. Jesus is looking at this rich young ruler and he's saying, this kind of sacrifice that you're needing to make needs to be uncomfortable. You've worked your life, you've, you've inherited, however this rich young ruler got his money, he's saying, you've been benefited by this and I'm asking you to give this lifestyle away. I'm asking you to give those comforts away. I'm asking you to give the life of a ruler away in order to follow me. It's a big sacrifice that we're seeing within this scripture. It's not something that's comfortable. It's not something that's easy. Because if it was easy, like I said, this rich young ruler would have undoubtedly been doing it. He had already been keeping the commands. He had already been doing these things. He had already set himself apart as a person. But when it came to this comfort, when it came to this idol, he just wasn't willing to move past it. And that tells me that Jesus was challenging him on something that was a big deal. And so... Like I said, I'm not saying that I'm asking you for your money. This isn't about money. If you think I'm just trying to get you to give more money to the church, it's not about that. It just simply is not about that. It's not an all-across-the-board illustration. Some people are going to have to sacrifice different things. Some people, time is their biggest sacrifice. Sometimes sacrifice is money. Sometimes the sacrifice is Um, your cell phone. Sometimes the sacrifice is getting out of your comfort zone in order to be a good witness. But I do love what David Platt says about this. And he says that typically the person who is relieved to know that this uh, illustration isn't all inclusive and that God isn't necessarily asking you to give up your finances or property is typically the person who is already idolizing it and that this scenario is applying to just being honest. Because when it comes down to it as Christians, we are not supposed to look like the rest of the world. In fact, we're supposed to stand out. The way we make our decisions, our behavior, our witness, we are, we are destined, we are designed to stand out from the population, from the non-Christians. People should be looking at you and saying, how stupid. Why would you give that much money over to something that you don't even know where it's going? Why would you sacrifice that much time? You can't sacrifice that much time and and still remain, uh, comfortable. You'll burn yourself out. You'll, you'll whatever, insert, um, sacrifice to reach the lost and help the needy here. People are going to look at you and say, that, that doesn't make any sense. That doesn't compute. Why on earth would you, would you do that to yourself? But instead, in America, I feel like we've strived so hard to fit in with our neighbors on our own block that we no longer stand out. Recently, my wife and I, were uh, we were at a SALT conference here just about a month ago. It was recent. Um, and there was an opportunity to give to Feed One. If you guys haven't ever heard of Feed One, it's a branch of Convoy of Hope that feeds, uh, feeds needy and impoverished kids and also gives them a Christian education overseas. Um, there was an opportunity to give to um, feed one. And I pulled out my wallet, and I always keep a lot of cash on me when I go to conferences, just in case something were to happen. And uh, I pulled out a certain amount of money, and uh, I, I was like, all right, um, God, is is this good uh, to give over to this need? And I'm not going to tell you how much money, because it's not about the money. But immediately I felt like the Holy Spirit said to me, is that sacrificial giving? Or is that easy giving? Clearly, if God asked me that question, it was because it was easy giving. And so I was like, all right, God, how much would it take? How much money would it take to move me from easy giving to sacrificial giving? How much is that? And God didn't respond. And so I turned to Courtney and I said, hey, Courtney, I feel like I'm supposed to give more money. I feel like we're supposed to give more money to this. And she said she felt the same. So I began pulling out more money. And so I asked God, is, is this how much money you'd like me to give? And he just responded, is that sacrificial? And it wasn't. It was still comfortable. And so I began pulling out more and more money, more and more money. And then I got to the point where I felt like I began to reason with myself. I began saying things like, surely God wouldn't ask me to give that much money over Surely this is too much now. I've, I've gone into that realm of this is too much money. And at that moment, I realized that that's exactly how much money God was asking me to give over. Because it wasn't amount about the dollar amount. It wasn't about the, the dollar amount that I was giving. Because on the scale of how much money was given that weekend, um, it was less than a percent. But for me, it was way outside of my comfort zone to give that much money over when we were already spending a ton of money to even go to this salt conference. Because it was about moving out of my comfort zone. It was about moving out of what's comfortable and into sacrificial. Because God was calling me and my wife specifically in that moment to give sacrificially to feed kids in impoverished countries. I always love when people uh say they want to start giving more and they want to start walking into um giving more and and um being more obedient to giving and they always and they always first thing they ask is I never really know when God is asking me to give and when it's just me wanting to give. And I would honestly say that if all of a sudden you feel like you need to give something that you worked hard for, something that you would prefer to put towards something else, Chances are God is moving you to move, and God is moving you to give. But I digress. In 2 Corinthians 5, starting in verse 13, it says, If we are out of our mind, as some would say, I'm going to repeat that. If we are out of our mind, as some would say, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you for Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died and he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves but for him who died for them and was raised again. And so I'm going to combine here the two main points of this. If we are out of our mind, it is because we are no longer living for ourselves but living for him died and was raised again what this world needs what what america needs and and most specifically what crawford needs are people who are willing to go out on a limb to act a little bit out of your mind who are compelled by christ who no longer are living for themselves but instead are simply living for jesus christ Because it is impossible, and here's where all of this comes together, it is impossible for us to get ahead in this life and be exactly the same as everybody around us. The Nobel Prize winner George Bernard Shaw, who was actually an atheist, once said, The reasonable man adapts himself to the world. The unreasonable one persists to adapt the world to himself. Therefore, all progress in society depends upon the unreasonable man. And this applies to us because as reasonable Christians, we come off and we are the rich young ruler. We try too hard to fit into the world around us. We belong in the world a little too much. As an unreasonable Christian, we try to get everybody, including ourselves, to fit into God's plan. Into God's will for our lives. And so because I want to make it crystal clear that I'm not talking about money. I mean, it might be money for you, but I'm not talking about money. I'm not, I don't care about the money. I'm going to share a story about a former Chi Alpha student from Montana named Bill. This is a true story. Bill was in an airport to pick up a friend. While sitting in the waiting area, he asked God to let him know if there was anything he wanted him to do. All of a sudden, Bill felt like the Holy Spirit was asking him to walk over and stand on his head in front of the pot machine of which Bill thought, that's crazy, God wouldn't ask me to do something like that. But that feeling wouldn't go away. So he reluctantly walked over, thinking, hey, at least this waiting room is fairly empty, there's less people to see my irrational behavior. Immediately, so he goes over and stands on his head in front of the pot machine, and immediately a businessman in the waiting room, bolted up from his seat, and with noticeable hostility, demanded, what the bleep are you doing? Bill immediately thought, what if this guy works for Homeland Security? What if uh, they suspect my involvement in some kind of terrorist activity? Jesus gently responded to Bill, as you stand to your feet, be honest. Just tell the man why you are doing what you're doing. And so as Bill got to his feet, he began to explain, I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm just trying to learn how to hear the word or hear God speak to me. And as I was reading my book over there, I thought, I thought maybe I heard the Lord telling me um, to come and stand on my head in front of the pop machine. As Bill braced himself for the anticipated lecture from this man, Bill instead noticed tears forming in the corners of the businessman's eyes. As the businessman said, I've been searching for God lately. And just a few minutes ago, I asked God for a sign and I told him that if someone would stand on their head in front of the soda machine, that I would believe in his existence. Bill obeyed, even when the instructions made no sense to his rational mind. Sometimes the things that God asks us to do are just simply to get us out of our comfort zones, to move us, to grow us, um, to get us outside of, of rational thinking. But in the end, when we are obedient to what God asks us to do, the end result will always be life's changed. Sometimes that change happens to us as we walk closer to being the men and women that God is asking us to be. And sometimes that change happens to the others around us. And others' lives are radically changed because you were obedient to what God was asking you to do. You were obedient to what God might have been asking you to sacrifice. God is calling us to be unreasonable. Merriam-Webster defines unreasonable as not guided by or based in good sense. Sound familiar? Beyond the limits of acceptability. What unreasonable thing is God asking you to do? In order to hear that from God, you simply just have to ask the question, God, is there anything I need to do to get closer to you? And then be obedient to God's response. As I hand the service back over to Steve, um, I just want to encourage you guys. Um, even I was trying to display my uh, desire to get outside of my comfort zone this morning. Um, I, like I said, I, I don't like giving words of knowledge or, or prophecy from a pulpit, but it's something that God has been challenging me to do to get outside of my comfort zone. And so no matter what that looks like for you guys, no matter what it looks like for you as an individual, I feel like we as Christians always need to be willing to part with things. We always need to be willing to make sacrifices and we always need to be willing to get outside of our comfort, excuse me, outside of our comfort zone um, to grow in our faith and to become more like Christ. Because ultimately, if we look at it, if we're trying to resemble Christ, and we're trying to be more like Christ, and we want to look more like Christ, look at the sacrifices that Jesus made. If we want to resemble Christ, we're going to have to start making sacrifices. We're going to have to start being unreasonable. I imagine the angels probably tried to reason with Jesus, surely, Jesus, you don't have to go to earth and die. Surely, Jesus, you don't have to become man. Surely, Jesus, you don't have to die in such a horrific way. Surely, Jesus, you don't have to. And yet Jesus knew what he needed to do. Thank you, guys.
0: As Tanner was sharing, I just thought about, you know, I think of current events. I don't know if anybody saw, our our vice president was called out of his mind. He was, said he would claim to have a mental illness because he heard from God. That's the world that we're living in, where people will perceive we're out of our mind because we respond to what God's telling us to do. Um, Tanner, I'd like for you and Courtney to come up. One of the things that I I find imperative is that As we have those, now Tanner did, he warned us, he said he was an evangelist, he did that strategically. Uh, Tanner's a big man, so he could step on our toes, and it probably hurts when Tanner steps on your toes, more than some others. But you know, more than Courtney, uh, for sure. But anyway, uh, I would like for us to pray over them. Um, and, And Jason and Connor, can you stand up here too, so we can pray over you as well? Father, we thank you. We thank you for the Word of God. We thank you for men and women willing to share the truth of God. And Father, I pray for Tanner and Courtney right now. God, I pray for every promise, every whisper, every dream, every vision you've given them for the campus at Shattering State. God, I pray it be fulfilled in the name of Jesus Christ. God, I pray you continue to grow, Father. I pray for those 12 students, the promise of God. I pray they be sealed with the Holy Spirit for the power, God, that you have. Those ones that have just come, Father, I ask in Jesus' name, God, your anointing flow freely through them. As they minister in a hard place, God, I pray that their words, the word of God that speaks through them, brings life. There's power in your word. God, I ask for every need to be met. Father, I pray for Courtney. We talked about divine healing in Sunday school this morning. I pray for healing in her body in the name of Jesus Christ. God, we know that the promise of the cross is that we can be healed through the blood of Jesus Christ. And so, Father, I pray that promise in her life. I pray Crohn's disease would bow to the King of kings and Lord of lords. God, I pray that her body would be recreated in an instant because of who you are and because of what can be done. God, I thank you for what you're doing. I pray that you continue to move and bless. Father, I pray for Connor and I pray for Jason. God, the words that you've spoken over them this morning. God, I pray for them as their church. I pray you would strengthen and encourage them. Father, I pray that you would bring life the words that have been spoken over them. God, that you would draw deeper, that you would bring friendships, that you would surround and encourage, God, for the plans and purposes. God, we can only see a glimpse of what you've designed for their lives. God, and I pray in Jesus name, you work in their hearts. You strengthen and encourage them in in, in those moments where they're tired and weak. God, that your perfect is accomplished in them and through them. God, we thank you for all you're doing. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for your plans for our church. We ask God that we would see uh, the words come true for our church as well. The word you spoke over us through sacrifice, God, in reaching our community. We thank you for this service in Jesus name. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you, be gracious to you. May he turn his face towards you and grant you his peace. And and, and may you live in sacrifice. Amen? Be blessed.